Good evening, salut in it. Say hi, say what's up. Hello, Julia. Uh, it's a double podcast day. Do uh, earlier, do get my gun, Chief Teddy Clark Bahalia. To do not on it, I invited a guest, uh, Michael LaRocque. I uh, LaRock Life podcast. Uh, then a Lena Cole, I wanted to talk about uh, mental health. Who can't see a boss? And uh, so he uh, he's on here today. But anyway, see Willis Javier, who shaped Taylor's tools in the Lost Saskatchewan, Clearwater River Denny Nation band member at the Hesley. And Dunes in a Treaty Four territories in Luna Halhuntati Dana Dlihaza. So, look out there with us. Comments, comment day, Oshlade. It's always good to see Dana. Uh, all over uh, Turtle Island, on the sun, and uh, obviously even around the world too. Then I know how you Theodore on the sun. So, Duna, obviously, Banla Tito Tina, Ilio, and mental health boss. Any questions? You know what's in there? Don't be shy to throw it in the uh, the comments and uh, a real curl on there. So, uh, with that, I will bring him in. Michael Larock, hello Robert, hello, hello, good evening, welcome, and uh, hello Michael, how you doing? Hey man, really good, really good, thanks for having me buddy. Yeah, it's always, uh, you know, good to uh, change up uh, the dialogue, conversation, and I always talk about mental health, but uh, uh, yeah, thanks for being here tonight, I'll just ask you to introduce yourself for the uh, audience here, and we'll get Awesome, man. My name's well. My name's Michael Rock. I'm from Meadow Lake. I'm from Meadow Lake, Saskatchewan. I'm currently in Red Deer now, but um, like I say, from Meadow Lake, I'm a bad member of Kennel Lake First Nations, and um, yeah, man. I just there's so much to go through. I don't know which avenue I want to go down, but like I say, I'm here in Red Deer. I work. Uh, he did mention Willis mentioned my podcast, The Rock Life. We actually rebranded. We switched names now. We're the revived couple. The revived couple, so yeah, cool. it's uh, it kind of worked a little better. Everyone was like, "What the heck is the rock life?" But then uh, revive couple makes more sense. I had to <laughs> came a long ways, and we can get into it, but had to revive my marriage. Uh, had to really look inside and do a lot of work on myself, a lot of mental health included in that, and um, it was uh, it was really important to me to keep that and keep the family together and and work through what I had to. A lot of addiction work through, um, a lot of like I say self issues as far as confidence as far as you know hitting some depression as far as not feeling smart enough again we can get into all these uh all these details but there's so much to unpack and like i say i'm really happy to be here and really proud of everything you're doing so it's exciting to be part of it uh must see cho must see cho yeah i know it's always good the uh canoe lake young guns they actually went to the ship again there this past week and uh very good for them to uh to, to repeat that you know in the uh two years in a row well, didn't win, a, but it is. It's a big deal too. Like everyone, I mean, I'm, I'm a little older now, right? So back in the day, I used to used to hang around native tournaments and play some native tournaments, and it's really great to see just that where hockey's evolved to for natives, right? Like it's pretty exciting. The the, I mean, hockey's always been a big part of everybody, but the actual quality of hockey and the amount of like the players coming out of that are, it's pretty exciting to watch. It's really good hockey. Mm-hmm. very good yeah yeah so uh let's get into it here uh you know the the revive couple now i know you guys started off the rock life podcast you know and uh kind of uh talk about how how that came about and uh maybe the backstory 
maybe maybe we'll start from the beginning actually i know you guys have been on a few podcasts with you and uh, you talk about uh, the addiction part and then also that leading to uh, the marriage falling apart and uh, you know uh, talk to us about uh, what you had to do and uh, what you had to go through yeah absolutely so i left home i left metal lake when i was i think 17 or 18 can't remember but i uh, it wasn't a bad situation right like i had a pretty uh pretty normal childhood really i guess as as far as it can be but ended up moving to lloyd minster for a few years and um in lloyd like you do or like i did anyway really i partied pretty hard in meadow and then went to lloyd and just kind of carried that through with no no one really looking out for me right i had to look out for myself and um so i, I drank a lot that was that was my poison i was i was drinking uh, a little bit of drugs but never really anything too major but um so i, I did that i became a carpenter in lloyd minster uh, thankfully I had enough head on my shoulders to, to actually get a trade and, and do something. So I came out of there as a carpenter. Um, still, like I say, drinking was a big part of my life. And then, uh, I met a girl in Lloyd, followed her to Red Deer. She went to school in Red Deer, followed her here, got a job, kept working. Um, like I say, kept drinking, just no, living normal life, right? Like I'd work Monday to Friday. As soon as, uh, Friday work ended, I was, I was on a go till, till Sunday. And then back to work and just kind of repeat that cycle for years and years. And in that, Laura stuck with me that whole time. We ended up getting married, uh, thinking that, you know, marriage is going to solve all our problems or once we're married, she thought anyway, she thought, okay, he'll change once he's married and, and we can have this uh, storybook ending. But, um, is, is pretty funny in that because I, I used, I used drinking as a big crutch, right? Like I use that to hide my feelings. Like most people anyone right like use that to hide my feelings use that to deal with stress from work because as i was working i was very fortunate in growing up on a small farm so with that it paired really well with carpentry and it just like problem solving working hard you do any of that and you can climb the ladder quite quick and i ended up in a in supervisor roles really young and it just kept building from there so i was always kind of stressed out didn't really know the proper way to deal with it so i, I just hid behind the bottle and it worked out really well for work. I was never, it never caused any issues there. But like I say, my personal life was, Laura was the one that wore the brunt of it. Like most, most of us, right? With our wives or our girlfriends always have to deal with that. And um, it's pretty sad, like listening to her story and her talk. She spent so many nights, you know, crying herself to sleep, wondering when I was going to come home. And, you know, I, I was blacked out drunk somewhere. don't remember any of it, right? So it's uh and it's it wasn't just a one-off thing that story played out way too much so we're married for a few years like i say that story keeps repeating itself she finally says okay enough is enough she went to counseling herself she kept trying to meet trying to get me to go but like most men you know i was like i'm not going to counseling i'm not going to talk to anybody i'll solve my own problems and uh so she was doing work on herself and she finally said okay it's time to we're gonna we're gonna get a divorce we're gonna get rid of this and I was okay with it, you know, like I loved her. There's always love there. It wasn't like there was, it was any of that. So, um, I wanted to see her be better and I was, I was just holding her down. So we agreed, we gave it about three months saying that, okay, we'll, we'll make sure our, our stuff's in order our money's in order make sure everything's kind of split up. We didn't have kids yet then. So it was going to be a pretty easy breakup. And, uh, in that three months of kind of letting go, I guess, of anything, we, I, I really fell back in love with her. I was starting to straighten out a little bit. I was 
finding some different hobbies in my own because thinking I was like, okay, well, I'm going to be a single guy. Might as well do what I want to do. So I went and bought a motorcycle, went and doing all kinds of stuff, right? And just getting in, getting into my, just be, living, living my own passion, just being me, right? Not, not trying to, um, not trying to worry about anyone else. And Laura was doing the same. She was really blossoming and just doing her own stuff. And in that, <laughs> we both realized like, I'm really happy. She's really happy working on, working on ourselves. And then when we came together, it was like, well, I really don't want to break up, you know, like, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. And she, she kind of felt the same. And so we ended up staying together, but with that, she did say, okay, something has to change. Like something big has to, we gotta, we gotta change something. So we ended up selling all our stuff, put the rest in a, in a sea can in storage. And then we, uh, we moved to London, England for two years. So this was in 2014, um, moved to London, England for two years. I completely got away from from construction. I didn't want any part. I didn't want to, I just wanted to be kind of done with it. So I ended up with some sales jobs in London and it was, it was ridiculous. And that's where I did so much growth in two years. I, I completely changed who I was. I was, I got to just reinvent myself over there. And, um, it was a wild time, man. Like the amount of experiences, I mean, it can go on for hours over there, but just taking that leap of faith and doing something completely, completely left field. <laughs> I mean, moving halfway across the world, we had, what was the thing? We had three bags of luggage, two one-way tickets, and we had one week of uh, Airbnb, and that's all we had planned. We had, had no other plans, um, just kind of made it work and, and got jobs and ended up finding places, and and uh, it, it ended up working out really well because this, the job I did get, I was I got a sales job at this really fancy high-end gym, and it was commission-based, so we didn't live like travelers. It was It was pretty awesome. Like, got a really fancy brand-new condo right by the river and, like, just got to do all these different experiences and travel all through Europe. So like I say, with that, I realized that there was so much more to life. Like mm -hmm. I always thought it was, you know, work, pay bills, try to figure out a way to deal with the stress and you get old and you die. And that was kind of life, right? That's all I've ever seen. That's all I was around. That's how things were mm -hmm. and getting to see other people do things and getting to see just different people, like working different jobs, being entrepreneurs, finding ways to make other like different money, dealing with, you know, stockbrokers in, in downtown in the banking district, dealing with entrepreneurs and, um, and they call it old street. So there's a lot of startups and entrepreneurs and just different ways to make money. And it was like, opened my eyes to so many different things and realize that there is so much more to life. Right. And not just, um, and hitting your feelings head on too, because I got to meet all these crazy wild people that the conversations weren't just surface level, you know, how's the weather, work sucks okay carry on it was like conversations were just for hours you could sit there and talk about life and feelings and all kinds of stuff and it really opened a person up and now i brought that back home with us here and it's uh it's really changed my life and it's changed a lot of relationships i have obviously mm -hmm. a lot of people had to they kind of broke off naturally but i had a lot of friends or it seemed like i had a lot of friends but i had a lot of acquaintances and a lot of drinking partners essentially is what I had. Right. So yeah, ended up finding out who you're, who I got a couple of good friends and that was kind of it. And, but it changed a lot, a lot of conversations I have, a lot of relationships I have. It just, it, so many things evolved off of that. And then obviously with Laura, her and I by ourselves in Europe really, really strengthened that relationship. It was, uh, that was probably one of the best things we could have done. It's, uh, it really cemented where we are now. Yeah, it's funny how, you know, alcohol and that lifestyle can uh, push you ahead when you're around the white right people. You know, it's like I'm, I'm sure in construction, OK, you go out to the bar, you kind of bond and, uh, 
you know, build this relationship away from home, that's probably better than what is what was at home, right? For yourself, uh, the way I'm I'm hearing, and then uh, that led to better things for yourself, but not not at home. You know, it, it's funny how alcohol uh, brings that element to to something that you know, and in the end, doesn't really matter much. No, it's pretty crazy. It's all smoke and mirrors. Like all these, all these relationships, all these feelings, all these, uh, you know, ride or die, man, I'm your brother. I'll do anything for you that night yeah. when you're drinking. And then, you know, the next morning they're gone, right? Like when you actually need something, you need yeah. a ride, they're gone. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's so funny how like, I'll do anything for you, brother. And then the next day it's, it's over, right? It's like I say, just smoke and mirrors, these relationships when you're drinking. Yeah, yeah. Did you, uh, you know, I know you, you made some lifestyle changes. Did you uh, completely sober up? And I, I know when you talk about feelings, um, you know, if you move away from it, you, you're still carrying that baggage with you, you know, like, uh, how did you deal with the, the feelings? And, uh, you know, I know you mentioned two of you spending a lot of time together, but I'm sure it wasn't uh, always easy you know, learning how to um, unload that uh, extra baggage of feeling maybe from your childhood or anything that came up. How did you deal with that? Uh, that's a great question, Willis. Um, yeah, no, and I, I talk about it a lot now is, so I, I did a lot. I went to a lot of AA meetings, um, working with some people and just a lot of, again, a lot of talking and a lot of, a lot of dealing with things around the drinking. And with that being said, I mean, I'll still drink, like I'll still have a beer or two um every now and then I, I obviously i don't drink to hurt myself anymore is what i tell people uh mm -hmm. or to, to black out so it's it's quite nice to actually have that have that under wraps because most people don't right as soon as you go you go and it's it's kind of it's all or nothing but um it's it, that's a great question because i tell so many people about it now is i use that so much as a crutch right with my feelings with everything that just kind of masked everything away and made me feel good until i blacked out and then i don't remember and then you know, wake up, barely know how I don't even know how I got to wherever I woke up. And then that opened a whole nother can of worms of feelings of feeling so much anxiety in my stomach, because like, you know, who, how did I embarrass myself? How did I embarrass my family? How did I embarrass my wife? What happened? Who did I try to fight? Who did what did I talk smart about? Like all these things. Right. And so I'd have a lot of anxious feelings around that. So it didn't, it definitely didn't solve all my problems, but so now not hiding all that with drinking and not being able to mask all that, I had to hit all those feelings head on. And it was a lot, man. Like I say, I'm very fortunate with that time in, in England to be, to just be with myself and be able to do what I want to do and, and really find ways to make myself happy and do things that I never thought possible. Right. Like, I mean, I even took, I took uh, like a stand up comedian course there and did like stand up show, like just all these crazy things of like, Hey, just get out of your comfort zone. Just do wild stuff. Like who cares? Right. It's yeah. so much, so many different things like that. And just to be able to do that was a great way to to really hit my feelings head on and realize like, hey, you're just a person who cares. Like you're here for a short time, just have fun, laugh at yourself, and and carry on. But so when actually with all that being said, when we came home, our two year visas ended, so we had to had to move back to Canada, and uh, we came back. My wife was three months pregnant. Um, it would have made all the sense in the world, especially on paper. It's like go back to the job that you left because I had a really good job. Everything was great there. Right, like I had great money, all that stuff and just keep working. And it would have been fine, but no, no, I want to keep this big city life going. So I drug my pregnant wife out to Vancouver. Didn't know a soul in Vancouver. Didn't have a job. Didn't have anything out there. Kind of like it did London. I was like, Oh, we'll be fine. We'll just make it work. 
meanwhile you know being pregnant like there's a whole bunch of different responsibilities in that right but um ended up going out there i tried selling cars because like oh i'll be in sales i can sell cars ended up getting a job at uh in in surrey so i was the wrong kind of indian trying to sell cars so it didn't work too well in surrey they're like look at me like hey we don't want that guy we want that guy it's like oh thanks buddy make me feel great so i mean it, it didn't go well so i chalked that one up as a big learning a lot of learning lessons that year tons of learning obviously my son was a was a product out of there like he was born in white rock so it was great and we got to really bond as a family out there but there was so much heartache and so much, you know, worry about money and so much worry about everything because we're all alone, right? We're just there by ourselves. And uh, ended up almost getting a stuck out there, money-wise, aside from, you know, boring from people or something crazy. Uh, just about ran out of money, but I, I struggled up enough to get us back to Alberta, back to Red Deer, and ended up going back to that job that I had before I left and, um, and working in that. But when I went back, I really hit a depression here in Red Deer for the first man six months probably like i was working got us back on our feet um you know we were, we were comfortable all that stuff but i just felt like the biggest failure i i couldn't it was so hard for me to take like going from such highs in london to such lows in vancouver and and then getting back to red deer and i was like man all i did was hit pause on our life for three years i'm i'm a bigger failure i'm farther behind than we were when we left Mm-hmm. And uh, it would have been, and that's where it just killed me because I wanted to, you know, just get back into drinking, right? To, mm-hmm. to to hit all those, to hide all those feelings. But I never did, thankfully, never used that, and uh, had to really hit everything head on. And it was a struggle, but got through it. And a lot of looking inward, and a lot of dealing with a lot of things, and a lot of talking to people. Just talking, not not therapy or nothing, but just having good conversations with people. A lot of a lot of older people. I don't have elders around me, but I kind of equate a lot of these older guys as, as kind of an elder elder group to me of a lot of wisdom of people been there, done that. Uh, I got a group of men that I talked to, you know, there's guys in there that have been married three times, guys in there that have gone bankrupt so many times, guys have done all these things, right? So there's so much learning from previous generations that I really took a lot of that in and um it kind of got me to where i am again I'm, yeah. I'm, and i'm very fortunate too right with my wife laura she she's a she had her own stuff to deal with and she dealt with a lot of it and still is like we're it's all ongoing right we're always dealing with stuff but um very fortunate to have her as a partner to to be smart enough and to be emotionally aware enough to not throw things in my face right and i, yeah. I say i the same way with her but it would be so easy for your for your wife or your girlfriend to, to use that as ammunition against you and make you even feel worse but I'm very fortunate to have that in my life. Yeah, yeah, I remember, you know, I was, I got called a cokehead one time. I didn't like it, you know, but in all actuality, like I was, you know, and uh, it's it's funny how when you mentioned, um, you know, these guys that went through bankruptcy marriages and and they they did all these things, you know, that, that that's huge in itself. You know, we we can say that no, it's not a big accomplishment. Um, saying you got this high end job or it, you know, it's not that, but they made it through something that, uh, is very hard to deal with. And now we see a lot of people that are going through that stuff, you know, and like you mentioned before counseling, okay, before 2013 counseling, what the heck is that? You know? And, uh, now as you sit here, uh, you've been around people and, uh, you've gone through depression. Do you think, um, you know, before you moved and all that stuff and made these changes, 
um, that depression kind of caught up to you a bit, you know, okay, okay, you know, you had this attitude, we'll do this, we'll try this, but uh, maybe some of that old stuff came back or maybe you just bit off more than you can chew or is it just, uh, you know, adding a child to it too? Was that all in itself together or is this some of the past stuff coming back? Uh, another good question. I think that was a little bit of everything balled up there, Willis. Like, um, a lot of, a lot of my childhood, I, I, like I say, I grew up very, I was very fortunate, but I was quite, I was quite a bit younger than a lot of like my oldest or my next sibling is five years older. So I was never really had that kind of relationship with my siblings. Um, it was more like my sister's 10 years older. I mean, we're, she's, I always talk to her, like she's my mom almost, right? Like, um, I really love her and she, she helped a lot of things too. Right. So um, I didn't have a lot of that. And then my parents were a lot older as well. So I didn't get all those, all those, I don't know what you want to call them experiences, but at the same time, not like so many people didn't. Right. So that, I'm not using that as an excuse by any means, but, um, had some stuff in there. My mom had a lot to deal with because of, you know, um, a lot of her childhood and a lot of neglect and a lot of just everything. Right. She was, she was in all across Buffalo arrows all through that area. And she, she bounced around and was raised by, you know, different people and all kinds of crazy stuff. That's her story. But, um, she had a lot to deal with and I, I went around with her a lot with, you know, being the baby. So I got, to, I was around for a lot of the drinking and a lot of, a lot of the stuff that I seen. Right. So it was, um, there's a bit to take in with that, but then there's just, just life, right? Like so much stress and bills and things that I just wasn't equipped with. Like most people aren't equipped for, right? Like when all that stuff hits you, they don't teach us no one teaches us anything and like i say i grew up on a small farm so it was kind of like you just survive you're we're broke you know like no money so you just serve, you just get through it right and that's how i that's how i did it and there there's a lot of stuff there and then obviously work was stressful and i didn't i realized as well like um kind of fast forwarding a little bit but i just a couple of years ago and I, I last year i don't use this as an excuse by any means either but um, I finally got a, a bunch of assessments done and I'm very dyslexic as well. So mm -hmm. that kind of threw a wrench into things as far as like understanding, cause I get, I got thrown in these, all these positions of high, high positions and then get there and going through spreadsheets and contracts and all these other things. And like my mind was fried by 9am and I just couldn't wrap my head around it. And I was, it was so frustrating for me because normally when I try something, I was like generally pretty good at it and get yeah. into this stuff. And I was like, Oh, is it just torture? So there was a lot of stuff that I would hide from and run away from, but at the same time, the more you hit it and the more you talk about it. And like I say, these kind of platforms where we can talk about it and hopefully there's people listening that, you know, it strikes a nerve with them too and realize that you're not alone, right? Like, I mean, my spelling's like a great tour, but at the same time, you know, I still got crazy jobs that it, you can still do, right? It's, it's pretty yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. You know, a, a lot of good stuff there, you know, when you mentioned, uh, you know, going through um, living everywhere and how, you know, not dealing with your stuff. And then, uh, you know, going forward, how you've uh, dealt with all the stuff, you know, even though you decide to, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to sober up or clean up or act, whatever it may be. You know, some people, they can, like you said, they, they can have a beer. Some people, they can't. They got to be completely straight. You know, a lot of the things you, you got to deal with, it's not always rainbows and sh sunshines, you know, and uh, 
that's one thing i guess uh, indigenous communities to a lot of the lateral violence that that occurs to you know it might be oh you think you're better than me or, or something like that you know and uh it, it's not always like that you know it's as we hear your story today you know it it's it's all about the feelings it, it's not it's not just the alcohol the alcohol is just a, a crutch like you said you know it's it's about dealing with the mental, the childhood, you know, all the the stuff we deal with as Indigenous people that is, uh, you know, in the last couple of years that has really been put out there now. You know, it's really been put out there and talked about. And, uh, you know, it's good. And, uh, you know, going forward, you, you kind of, you, you know, um, you got into La Rock Life. I know um, that podcast and, and then... What was it that made you guys decide that, okay, you're going to help people and uh, bring this conversation to platforms like this and, uh, you know, make it a, a profession for the two of you? Yeah, well, like I say, all the work we did together and the growing we did together, I mean, we were together from, I was I was 19, she was 18. So, I mean, like, we grew, we grew up together, right, is what I say, because there's so mm-hmm. much of that we had to, we just did life together. And... Um, after all all the travels everything like that and obviously having a son and all these different things uh, my wife continually working on herself she always works on herself she helps so many other people and then obviously myself really jumping into into mental health really jumping into personal development uh, a lot of fitness based around that and then there's so many other things that i i did with it but we're able to have such good conversations because we learned we had to learn right like we we take different courses, we talk to different people, but we had to learn to communicate as a, as a husband and wife. So I was really good. Like most men, <laughs> I, I just, I would just shut down. Like I was so good at that. I would, I could just shut off and like, no. And then not talk for like two days, man. And, and just then the problem would go away. Right. Like I'd say it would go away. It wouldn't go away. It would just fester in the background for, for a later date. But you know, I would so good at that. Meanwhile, she just needed somebody to talk to, right? And just somebody to, you know, bounce ideas off and, and make sure life was okay and to feel safe. Mm-hmm. So by after all this stuff that we do, we're extremely good at communicating with each other. So we would have these crazy talks. This was only like three, four years ago. Like we'd have such amazing talks in the evening, right? Like I'd come home from work. We could sit there once, you know, maybe Lennox was in bed maybe. And then we could sit there and have a real conversation. And I could listen to her and give her my full attention and, and really appreciate what she was saying and just let her come at me right like most women they're in their feminine they're kind of a hurricane of emotions and they just need to get stuff out like they just need to talk right talk and get it out you don't as the man you don't need to solve the problem you don't need to figure out a way to make it easier you don't need to figure out any of that just got to listen right so but we're having these awesome conversations and it was just between her and i right and i would you know i talked to a few people about them and stuff and they'd be like whoa I don't get that with my wife or I don't get that with my partner or whatever that is. And so I would, I pushed really hard to get a podcast. Like I was like, Laura, we got to do this. We got to talk. Like we just got to talk to each other about whatever random topics. And then it, we kind of got narrowed down more into relationships and into different, different, different topics of relationship, but mm-hmm. ended up dragging her <laughs> kind of kicking and screaming for the first few. She wasn't a real big fan of it, but once we got going and, and just sit there and talk to each other about different things and, now it's kind of evolved into a lot more with the podcast. It's turning into a lot of guests, um, a lot of talking to different entrepreneurs, different, all kinds of different people. And then um, I'm even rolled off some different um, 
different courses and things like that with podcasting and helping other people get that out there. Not quite to Nathan's, uh, <laughs> not quite to the Podfather's uh, standards, but maybe, but uh, no, just getting out there and getting to do so, so many things with it. So like I say, it's, it's been a, it's been a blessing with everything. Mm-hmm. And I get to have these awesome conversations now, obviously they're recorded, but still just great conversations with, with my wife. And we, um, we really spit on a lot of good stuff. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. You know, it's uh, as men, I guess, you know, uh, you just want to go and solve it. You know, it's uh, okay. You hear this. Okay. How do we, you don't even try to, you know, deal with one step at a time. It's like, okay, how do we get to the end? You know, it's funny. What were those conversations in the beginning? Like, you know, I know for yourself, you said you shut down, but uh, you know, if, if your wife throws something at you in the beginning, like, what was it like for you? What, what uh, kind of things did you guys talk about? Well, I was, we were on a really good cycle, uh, not a good cycle. It was a cycle. You could almost set your watch to it. Right. So I would, we would work, I would work all week. Friday would come around, go drinking, blacked out drunk, whatever, Friday night, Saturday night. Um, that would cause a whole mess of problems, whatever problems those were, right. Some sort of fighting within the relationship about whatever, right. About anytime you're drinking like that, it just problems are going to come up. Fights are going to come up. So then that would be Sunday kind of argue fighting about you know you're an idiot you're a blacked out drunken you said this to somebody and now i'm embarrassed all that kind of stuff but again it was like a cycle it wasn't like a one-off thing you're just like it was like groundhog day mm-hmm. but that would be sunday then i would kind of shut down after that like fuck i don't need to deal with this so i'd shut down so monday tuesday there'd be like hardly anything right like it'd be really awkward tense in the house wednesday would roll around either i would lighten up a little bit or laura would just put it in the background and say, screw it. I don't want to live like this. So Wednesday would be pretty good. Thursday was awesome. Thursday is like, Oh, you know, happy marriage, happy life, all this stuff. And then Friday would roll around and then boom, right back into that cycle. It mm-hmm. was, uh, it was pretty wild how the, how that worked out. But yeah. like I say, those other conversations were exactly that, like just stupid, trivial problems, fights about nothing about drinking, right? Like, Oh, I want to go to vote with my friends. I'm always my friends. I'm doing, you know, they got my back. They'll always be with me. Meanwhile, and they're, they're not right. So I almost put all these guys ahead of my own, my own family, my own wife. Right. And it's, it, it did not, it just backfired terribly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you talk about having a conversation and, uh, just opening that dialogue between, between a couple, you know, it, 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 I I don't know. We, we were never taught that as uh, indigenous people. I can, uh, myself anyways, and, um, you know, it, it's, what was it like when you started the podcast and then, uh, all these things that, uh, you're trying to find the right word for and, and just digging deep for, you know, the right feeling or emotion to express. What, what was that like, uh, just starting the podcast, just you and your wife? Oh, it's and, pretty, it's pretty crazy when you put yourself out there, right? Like yourself, you know what it's about, like. You put yourself out there to people and it's tough. You get, you get hit with a lot of judgment and a lot of judgment almost in your own head, right? Like I, I make things up or I make stories up of this person thinks this to me when meanwhile they could care less what I'm doing, right? But um, like you said, trying to find the right words. I used to swear a lot in my podcast because I could never figure out the words. So I use the F word like, uh, like a verb. So I always tie things together with that. But getting that under wraps a little bit. But I mean... Um, it was, it was really, it was really difficult at the beginning. And then I talk about it a lot with men and vulnerability. So I had to make sure I was vulnerable. I had to open myself up completely. And 
a lot of people in relationships, not even, maybe not even relationships, but say that drinking piece, or like you said with the coat, like, oh, you're a cokehead. You'd, I always used to hold those feelings in so much, and I would never open up to Laura about, you know, I'm feeling scared, I'm feeling hurt, I'm feeling um, scared was a big one, right? Or, or less than, or stupid, or whatever, not confident. Because I didn't want my wife to see this, right? Like, she'd think that she was with the wrong guy or chose the wrong guy, and I didn't want her to ever use that against me in some argument or throw it in my face publicly or whatever that was, right? Which, in, the, in hindsight, was silly. Like, that's what that person's there for, right? To, to, to a point, uh, you can't be verbal diarrhea either to your to your wife or girlfriend because they need to feel safe. That's the big thing in a relationship, right? And that's what we talk a little about. As long as she feels safe, then we we have a really good program right now. It's called Safe and Wild, where you know you make your wife feel safe, and then that that allows the relationship just to be wild because the man you get to do, you get to be what you want to like. Do you stay on your mission? Stay in your frame. And then she feels safe. She'll come with you. She'll follow you. She's, hey, this is my leader. This is my man. I'm, I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. But like I say, the back to the, you have to be vulnerable. So I really had to open up, use, just let everything go to a point, like I say, but not being scared that someone's going to use that against me. So like, yeah, I drink. Yeah, I used to drink a lot. Yeah, I used to be the sloppy, blocked out, drunk guy all over the place. But you can't use that against me. Yeah, that was me. Now I want to use that to help people. You can't throw that in my face. You're like, oh, there's a drunk Indian. You're like, yeah, so I was, but I'm different now. Or like, hey, there's a dummy that can barely spell his name. Like, yeah, okay. But now they have spell check on iPhones, so I'm okay. Like all these different things, right? Like you just have to take that, own it, like really own it. And then that becomes even more of a weapon or more of a, it's almost like a superpower now with vulnerability. Like I can mm-hmm. use that. There's nothing that could hurt me. You can't hurt me with any of that stuff. I know I did it and I own it. And now we carry on and help more people with it. Yeah. Only you can stop you. You know, that's a, uh, that's a very important uh, lesson that I've learned from uh, an elder. He's an elder. No, you know, it's a boy iron there. He's probably your uncle, but uh, you know, he's uh, from Canoe Lake and uh, you know, do you uh, go see, you know, it wasn't about going to see a counselor. Now, I know it's good to have a conversation with your wife, but not everything can be thrown at your wife, right? Like, do you go see, I know you mentioned um, uh, other people that have dealt with their stuff. Do you use like a counselor, uh, that type of uh, form of help for yourself? Yeah, I'm very lucky. I have a really good coach in my corner. I got a, a really good mentor in him. And then I also have a men's group around that as well. So um, I can balance a lot of those, the trivial problems I call them. So that's where I was saying like not verbal diarrhea and you don't have to tell your wife all, don't beat her up with all these like little issues, little problems. Like, Oh, I feel I'm not confident in this decision. Why? And have to work around it. That's where you can talk to some of these men about it. Talk to a coach about it. Talk to an outside source, a trusted outside source and make sure you have that safe container. So someone's not just going to, you know, backstab you or talk around all around town, but once you have that safe container with a trusted coach, a trusted counselor, um, a, a men's group, kind of a healing circle, anything like that, you're able to use a lot of that in there. And, and it's very masculine energy, right? This is all men I talk mm-hmm. to. So it's always coming at it from that masculine energy, coming at it from like, we're, we're solving this problem. We're getting this result. It's not stuck in the feminine or the more of the female of where it feels, right? I feel like, I feel like it, none of that really matters. It's more of like the end result and what it looks like. So big time, absolutely. I uh, I really lean heavily on a men's group, and I lean heavily on my uh, my male coach. Mm-hmm. 
I think, um, you know, um, for myself, I, I've learned that in the beginning, you know, you, you want to dump. I, I've done that too. I, you know, I was with uh, my ex-girlfriend after I got out of treatment. I was learning all this stuff new and I was just putting all this on her and she didn't know how to take it. It was, it was, when I look at it now, it, it, you know, it, that was a big learning lesson for myself now, years later. But I didn't know, right? Like, I didn't know how to, uh, you know, go around. She's probably, you know, it, it's all about being on the same level. She wasn't there. I wasn't there. We, we just weren't, you know. And I would do that. I would tell her things that I had done while I was drinking. And that's not something you do. You know, you're like, okay, I cheated on you or something like that. And uh, you don't share that. It's something you deal with you know, um, on yourself. So you don't do it again. And, uh, those are some of the lessons, uh, you know, that I've learned myself, but, uh, maybe some, something you have uh, picked up over the years too. Absolutely. Right. And it kind of went back to that feeling safe. Like a woman just needs to feel safe and getting back into like instincts, right? Like back, call it 300 years ago, 200 years ago for a hundred years, you know, they had to find the right husband to, to feel safe with, to, to have kids with that know that they're going to be protected, know that they're going to be cared for, know that they're not going to go hungry. Right. And they have to make sure that they, like it's, we're still, we're not that evolved. Right. So, I mean, we still have to feel safe. They have to feel protected. And I mean, you know, telling her all these drunk stories or worrying about, you know, what color to do something or like wavering back and forth on a decision for weeks or months on end that is not going to fill her up with the warm and fuzzies. That's not going to make her feel safe. That's not going to give her confidence in choosing the right man or mm -hmm. like, Oh, this guy, this guy at work hurt my feelings. Like, okay, well I should go be with that guy. Cause he's going to be a lot stronger <laughs> when something hits the fan. He's going to be able to feed and protect us. Not you. Right. Yeah. So it, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. But like I say, it's not bad to feel those feelings at all. And that's okay to feel those. You just have to find the right outlet to get those feelings to. And then don't <laughs> put that on your wife. Don't put that on your girlfriend. Yeah, you know, a, a lot of good stuff. And, uh, you know, I guess it's been, what, about two years plus you guys have been doing this? Yeah, two years. Uh, yeah, call it two years plus. And then uh, since October, I really jumped in headfirst with Laura mm -hmm. full time, uh, left my left my other construction project management job and uh, and just been going full time with uh, with Laura on this. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you, you guys have a lot of success. You know, it's been I've been doing this over a year. I got to uh, kind of meet you guys virtually. And uh, what are some of the things that have allowed you to be where you are now? You know, um, you know, it's something I'm sure at times you feel like you're not getting anywhere. I know I did with any auntie podcast. Like, why do we keep doing this? You know, and then you add the financial part of uh you know, when are we going to get some kind of return? How are we going to build some kind of, uh, you know, an entrepreneur, I guess you, you become out of it. And uh, what kind of avenue can you take? What, what was it that made, you know, the, the driving force to your success? Oh, there's, there's a lot of things and a lot of things that are still, you know, every day you are, you, you wrestle with those, right? Like you said, the ups and downs and Laura and I were just talking about this yesterday of, she was saying, you know, I used to be so gradual like if there was a dip the dip was longer if there was an up the up was a little longer but now when you're really in the heart of full-on entrepreneur full-on you know this is our life it's like up down up down up down and that's by lunchtime you know what i mean like you're just there's so much there but consistency it's just it's like life it's like work it's like school it's like anything you stay consistent with something and just pound like just keep on working 
it'll pay off. And I, I tell this to a lot of people because, uh, well, like I say, fitness is a big part of my life as well, right? So consistency is key. You can't eat one salad and think you're going to lose weight. You can't work out once and think you're Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Like it takes years of just consistency of doing things, right? And same with this podcast. Like the first few, like it's, it's like that with anything, right? You, you, you're so awkward at first. You don't know what to do. You're even this, like, I mean, you're opening your, your graphics, everything's like on point, everything looks great, but it, that didn't happen the first time you did it, right? Like it takes, takes so much time and consistency and screwing up and falling down and feeling like an idiot, but still showing up and doing the work, talking to yourself, right? Like a lot of these podcasts, it's like, I don't think anyone's listening. I don't think anyone's going to download this, but you just keep talking. You try to bring that energy and you're just like, okay, this is going to pay off. Someone down the line somewhere is going to listen to this. And I just always had it too in the back of my head is like, man, if there are just one, two people that, you know, felt the way I felt or do the things I did. And if any of those stories kind of resonate or hit, or, you know, if we can make any kind of relationship a little better, and the big one with that is like, if we can help the relationships, that's why we took that avenue with relationships is like, if we can help relationships, the kids are gonna, the kids on the back end of that are gonna flourish. So that was always the, that's always the grounding or that's always like the driving force behind it all is like, if you can make sure mom and dad are okay, those kids are gonna have an awesome life and an awesome upbringing. Yeah, there'll be problems and there'll be issues or whatever that is, but people will be able to get them get out of them a lot faster and those kids won't have to suffer in any kind of weird situations or have you know traumas that they got to carry through their whole life and then pass it on to their kids and just carry on that freaking cycle right so ending those generational traumas and then just and moving on so that that's obviously a big driving force and like I say though with <laughs> with consistency is like the biggest one that I can say is because there's so many times it's like we just got to stop like what are we doing I'm I'm editing podcasts at like one in the morning and like for nobody to listen to it, but I'm still editing it and putting in all this work. And it's just like, what the heck am I doing? But like I say, it's, it's, it's starting to pay off now and it's, it's, it's starting to roll. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's funny. I, I took a, a radio and podcast production class my last semester and you just got to look at it as uh you know, one person listening. It's not, you're not trying to read. I mean, uh, reach, thousands and thousands it's all about just one person it, it, it's funny how we we tend to play and especially myself as a uh, live stream and then i i podcast that way so my, i you know I, I can see who's watching or or any of that stuff and but then that made me change my mindset i don't okay even if i'm listening I mean, I'm talking to nobody and i can see that okay i'm gonna keep going i'm somebody's gonna pick it up you know, because of that, I've had people in Russia reach out to me. I've had people in Arizona reach out to me and share with me all these things, you know, the, the, about um, what I'm doing. And I didn't I didn't know anything, you know, and there's always little tweaks in that. So, you know, I see that a lot of good stuff from your uh, the podcast and how, you know, everybody is different. They have their own way. They have their own niche. And, uh, you know, you, you talk to me about uh you know, you're now getting into an indigenous uh, engineering firm, I believe. Uh, tell me a bit about that. Yeah, we were talking about that before the show. So nothing's uh, nothing's finalized yet. It's still very early days. Uh, we're just kind of talking back and forth. So I left my my previous career. I, I again, very fortunate. So in Lloydminster, I started as a carpenter, took my first year there, and then moved to Red Deer and, and went to school in Red Deer for to finish it out. So I ended up with my journeyman ticket, uh, Red Seal journeyman. But in, and then in that time, 
ended up as a site supervisor. So we're running big jobs. And I got very fortunate in Red Deer um, that I got to do a lot of high profile work. So like all these big jobs in Red Deer, I wasn't just kind of stuck in a hole digging mud. I was I got to work on a lot of big projects and a lot of fancy ones and, you know, doing radio interviews and talking to different people and just getting to be like, be out there, right? But building these buildings with a purpose and, and it gave me a lot of a lot of energy and a lot of uh, a lot of pride and a lot of a lot of pride in what I did and what I built. So mm-hmm. carpenter, site supervisor, that happened. And then I got a really good opportunity to be get a call, get a phone call to move into the office and be a uh, a project manager so then you're kind of the guy dealing with the money the contracts the all the workers and stuff like that so you, you don't really deal with the nuts and bolts of every or like the actual building of anything anymore mm-hmm. so i did that for three years um so much more wrapped up i mean i can talk for hours just on that one of a lot of feelings all that all those feelings rolled up again of not enough and you know you're stupid and all these other things rolled in but anyway all that happened ended up being extremely successful at it um turned out re- like it yeah it worked out really well but like i say it was really tearing me up inside and I, a lot of stress involved with that and like i say with with um with being diagnosed you know with dyslexic and stuff and it was pretty bad so it was it was, it was, it was just hard on the brain and hard on my system mm-hmm. and i just wasn't really liking it i kind of got removed from what i was really good at i was really good at running crews and, and building stuff and having like a final thing but being in the office with the contracts and the money and all the politics and the business behind it and the kind of, the, it's very cutthroat, right? Where mm-hmm. when you're on the sites, it's kind of like, you know, Hey, you help me, I'll help you. Hey, we're all happy and, and off we go. Right. So, yeah. um, it was nice getting away from that now. So like I say, about eight, eight, eight months removed from that and, and get a phone call from a guy that's, uh, we're, like I say, it's still early days and we're still trying to figure out what it even looks like, but yep. it's all indigenous. Uh, it's all, all a lot of Aboriginal work. Um, but it's an engineering firm that really helps bind the two together, like helps the community between the contractor where it's like, that used to be so messy. I've actually, I've, I've project management, a few projects out in Massachusetts. And same thing is like, I went in there with the, with all the intentions, like, I want to help out buddy. Like I'm an, I'm on your side. I'm an Indian man. I want to help you guys. And you know, we're not gonna, not, none of this screwing around with money, none of this screwing around with time, all that stuff. Like this project's gonna get done right. And then it still got really clunky just because of all the tribal politics and money and all these different things, right? It, just, it still got so messy. Mm-hmm. So I, I was actually going to start on my, like, I was just going to branch out on my own and do my own business of trying to be like that liaison between the two. But uh, I just, I just didn't know the right way to do it. And I was kind of gun shy of pulling the trigger on that. And I didn't, I felt I don't have the, like the, the connections and everything like that. So I get this phone call from a guy and, um, and we get talking like, man, that's exactly what I want to do. I was like, and I'll, you know, and you're the guy that's, you know, at least a name behind it and, and, a, and a company and things like that. So, um, it's pretty exciting. And with, with that, they do a lot of community outreach and a lot of these, a lot of communities get, you know, X amount of dollars, like most people know, right. Mm-hmm. They'll just give the community $5 million and say, okay, we'll build something. And then they end up building, you know, a building or a rink or a hall for all of that $5 million. And then they have no money to upkeep it, no money to train anybody how to run it. And then it just kind of goes with the wayside. And then they're like, Oh, we just gave those Indians all that money. And now it's all wrecked again. But they mm-hmm. didn't, they didn't, they didn't give anybody any tools to help, help freaking run this thing or solve any of the problems. So I want to, I really want to reach out and start building up carpenters, start building up tradesmen. Cause I, I say it all the time. Like I've been around construction, like my whole, since I've been 17, 
and I have not ran into another Indian site supervisor even on these larger commercial jobs. I haven't mm-hmm. seen that. I haven't, mm-hmm. I, like, I very rarely see a, an Indian, you know, running a crew even of like plumber, car, like plumber, electricians, any of that, right? Like I just don't see it and it sucks. It, it kills me. Like they're either tying rebar or, you know, sweeping the floor or something. And it's like, oh yeah, we had to hire that Indian to meet the, meet the co or meet the freaking regulations so we can get paid for this thing. Oh, mm-hmm. but you're an Indian, Mike. Oh, it's awesome. Cause it's Indian. It, now it's an Indian round job. We can talk and brag about it. All this, all this stuff. Yeah. Right. So yeah. getting back to that and like, okay, I want to build these carpenters up. If there's a site supervisor somewhere, like a native supervisor that needs help, that has questions that doesn't want to feel like an idiot going to his boss or asking people around, I want to be that mentor to help him and build him up. Mm-hmm. So I, I was trying, I, I, like I say, I wanted to do that on my own, but I just didn't have the vehicle to kind of do it. So now, now hooking up with this other guy, it's, uh, it seems like it's going to be a good deal, but like I say, nothing's, uh, nothing's finalized, but that's definitely the avenue I'm going mm-hmm. still doing our, our revive, uh, the revive couple, you know, podcast, obviously a big one, but the courses behind it, um, a lot of workshops in the in the works now that we're allowed to, you know, be free again and, and meet up in person. We do, we're going to have some more couples workshops and, and in-person stuff like that, but mm-hmm to have that other, to have that other real passion project. So have another passion project that I really get excited about and helping our community and, and really building something solid and tangible and, you know, building these other tradesmen up, wanting to get more women into trades, like all this stuff. Right. But have that Aboriginal twist on it. Mm-hmm. That, it, it lights me up, man. It gets me fired yeah. up and I haven't felt that in so long. So it's, it's pretty exciting. And that's, that to me is really living life. And that's mm-hmm. what gets me through all that, like depression, drinking, all that bullshit. Is like now if I get to really like wake up and get out of bed and like, hey, I want to go to work. I want to help some people. I want to really do something. I mean, man, I, I'm just so excited about it, right? It's, it's pretty mm-hmm. crazy. And then my son getting to see this now. And then we have another, we have a baby coming here in another, well, it could be like four weeks. So oh, wow. getting, getting our kids to see this and getting like, hey, my dad's freaking excited. My dad's helping people. My dad's doing things. It's like, yeah, yeah. you can't put a price on it. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, I was, uh, my next question was going to be, where do you see yourself in five years? But I see that, uh, everything you just shared there, you know, that kind of, uh, goes in that direction, you know, where can, uh, someone get all this information about your, uh, you and Laura's, uh, uh, training or, or programs that you have, uh, through a revive couple, uh, you know, the, the, the podcast or, or anything on the side that you have going on? Yeah, absolutely. So everything's the revive couple. So like there's Instagram, uh, we live there quite a bit. That'd be more of where you get it. Then there's Facebook, the revive couple, and obviously like the revive couple.com. All of that would be there. Um, and obviously like message, email, all like all of that's on there. Right. And if mm-hmm. the, people just reach out if they need something or, or know of an Avenue that I can help out in, I mean, that'd be, that'd be great too. Or if they just want to talk, right. Or if they know these trades people that, Hey, I'm, I'm kind of in a tight spot, right? Like I, I need some help or I need just to, someone to talk to is always, like I say, that's kind of the biggest thing now. just like someone to listen. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I'm very passionate. And again, I'm very fortunate in learning how to listen now so I can listen to people. I know it doesn't seem like it. I've been talking here for like an hour, but I am, uh, I do like just to listen as well. No, you are the guest, you know, it's good, you know, and, uh, We've had a, a really good conversation here tonight. You know, it's uh, I always like that uh, you're really straightforward. I, I know you did swear once and you've changed that from the first time I met you. You know, you're really 
uh, wanted to come out in the beginning, you know, it's over a year ago now. And I, I see the difference now, but uh, still the passion and, uh, you know, getting stuff across, it's still there. But uh, you found a new way. And that's what your story is all about. You've always found a new way even when you were down and uh, all the success you have here. And, uh, you know, I want to thank you for joining me on my podcast. You know, I know I do this in Denny, but it's always good to change it up and uh, share everyone's story for, uh, you know, there might be someone uh, that's listening that might need to hear this. So, uh, and, uh, you know, if there's anything you want to add, I'll leave it to you and we'll finish it off. Yeah, man. Like I say, I'm just I'm very, uh, very fortunate to be able to, to do these kind of things and, to know people like you and to have a, have those connections. And I mean, it, it's exciting. And I say it all the time. Like, I'm so proud of all these people. I'm so proud of you, like for everything you've done. Right. And to come through what you've come through to, to have what you have now and to keep pushing and keep working and nothing's easy. I know that better than anybody. Right. So, I mean, mm-hmm. just to keep pushing and keep working, it's, it's awesome. It, it's so great. Cause there's like I say so many times anyone could just give up, but giving up doesn't do anything. That's not going to help anything. All those problems are still going to be there. So you might as well keep pushing and keep going. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, like I say, just very fortunate to have, have you guys around. And, um, if anyone needs anything, obviously reach out and, and that's, it's, that's, that's just it, man. I'm just very fortunate and very proud. And thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, Masi Cho, Mike LaRock. And, uh, well in the future, I'm sure we'll be chatting again soon. Alrighty, salut in a Michael LaRocca dilat. I met a lake at the canoe lake band member the Helio and doing red deer another. You know, um, some of the things uh, I just wanted to bring on doing that. You know, that dialogue of uh, the conversation mental health who don't see it and who yeah, Conti, I invite us to do so uh you know because you know that the mental health boss no nikech auto to see you know and uh so i hope uh you know yet or i never day yeah, the We're going to the Navajo Nation tomorrow. Do Johnny Zelenander, Beardies and Hanenjai, Jason Bitsui, Hulie. He's Navajo tomorrow night's guest. Being six thirty, So you know, the Navajo, the hell they, the no, yeah, Yang sesalt asal kolas ELT had dua so itu ya banlah itu ini ya tiad nadlian asal so with that masih cunah usiun selot ina dun tehu taste gabine sedang elti nadlian asal masih cho a whole good night.